Hello, my name is James Pikeaway, and welcome to Public Speaking in the Summer, Day 10 of my summer class, Calm 230. What did we do today? It was all about, well, persuasive speaking. How do we think about the audience? What about strategies to persuade people? The logos, the pathos, the ethos. How does all this fit into our speech? You know what? We spend a little bit of time talking about Jamie Oliver. We spend a little bit of time talking about Ron Goodman. Take a look at both of these guys on TED.com. Extraordinary things, lessons to learn from their talks, and some lessons on things not to do. That's what we talked about today. Hey, let's get right into it. Here's the class. My name is James Pikeway. This is Public Speaking in the Summer, Day 10. So this is, this is the, the big challenges that we face as we move forward in this, this exercise. Now, you are all doing amazing. I'm really, really, really happy with what you're doing. And the challenge is, and I, I had a student who sent me a, a note, and she said, sir, I'm working so hard. And, and I, and I kind of, it makes me smile because you better be working hard. That, and as we said from the very beginning, of what we're doing here, you need to be working hard. If you're not working hard, you're doomed because this is not going write a term paper. This is not, you're going to do a big essay in the end. This is not a research project with, with your colleagues. This course is about you performing. And it's, it's, there's a base level. Hey, there's a base level and that's a C. If you do everything we're talking about and just kind of plod through it, it is really easy to get a C. You don't want to see. And that becomes the challenge because what do you, what have you got to do? Like what's the, what's the real big piece that you've, you've got to be thinking about as you're pulling this all together. The number one thing, you cannot sound like you're reading. If you're reading and it sounds like you're reading it, you're not doing the job. At this point where you got 50% over, well, I, I would say you got about 55% of your grade left to obtain. Wow. 20% on this, this Thursday and 30% the following Thursday. So this is, this is, wow, this is great because you've got immense opportunity here. So what's the number one thing? You, it can't sound red. It can't sound red at this point. If it's sounding red, like you're reading it, you're not doing the job yet, you know, and say, I'm working hard. If it sounds red, you have not worked hard enough. So you don't want it to sound red. Second, and how do you not make it sound red? Don't read it. <laughs> I mean, okay, look, you, you've got it and you, you've, you've worked through it. You need to practice it. You need, you need to be sounding like you're having that conversation. You need vocal variety. You need the ups and downs. You need the pause. You need the, the excitement every now and then. You need the anger. You need anger now and then if it's something that you're angry about. And you, and you need to pause. And you need to take a breath. And you need the show. And you, as you're doing it, you need to be watching yourself. Look at me. I, I'm getting this face. And I'm, you know, and as you get angry, you change your face and you, and you, and you, you feel the anger as you're, and then when you're not so angry, you change your face back and you, your voice changes. So you need all of that stuff as you're putting it together. But look, here's the thing. And Fatma nailed it at the very beginning. Some of you hadn't tuned in yet to the class, but Fatma nailed it. An informative speech and a persuasive speech share a lot in common. They're both full of information. 
the difference between the two speeches, the difference between an informative speech and a persuasive speech is that an informative speech, is its sole goal is to inform you, to enlighten you, to educate you, to give you information. That's it. What you do with the information, I don't, I, no one cares. It's like, you know, here's the information, what you do with it, hey, great. A persuasive speech, on the other hand, is not just giving you information, but it wants you to do something with the information. So I'm giving you the information, and I want you to change the way you think. I want you to change the way you do something. I want you to adopt new actions. I, and so this becomes the challenge, because not only do you want to give that information, but you want to now package that information in a way that you're making people feel guilty, that you're making them feel sad, that you're making them feel they need to act, and you need to give them the steps to start the action. You need to make it possible for them to begin. And this is that real, real big challenge that you face as you're putting it all together. It's like, okay, I, I know that it's informative. And and I was talking with, Fatma, can I use your example of what you what you were talking about at the very beginning? Yes, sure. So Fatma has had a, had a great example. And so, uh, like many of you, you might be thinking, okay, what can I do? So what's rule number one? If you're going to do any speech, make sure it's something you care about. Make sure it's something you're interested in. Make sure it's something you have some knowledge about. And, and this might be coming from other courses that you're doing, other things you're doing, but make sure you care about it. If you don't care about it, it's really hard to do any kind of speech. Second thing, you want to make sure you focus it in. So I use Fatma as an example. Actually, it's this way on my screen. I got I to gotta set that so it reverses it. Fatma is talking about wanting to do something on the environment. Excellent, but that's a huge topic. And, and so Fatma said, well, I've got three different areas I want to talk about. And so my question was, what are the different areas? And so she started talking about, well, one's this. And I said, just do one. Pick the one. Don't tell me, okay, well, let's talk about plastics. Let's talk about um, metals. Let's talk about using too much water. Let's talk about cars. Pick one. Pick one. And go really hard and go really deep, go really into that one. So what are the three different pieces, why we need to do it? So if I, so, for instance, if I was picking something like uh, why to use recyclable water bottles like I do. So I might talk about the amount of plastic that is used every year. I might talk about the number and then I might bring it down to how much is used in the UAE how much is discarded, and I, I would make it something that we can actually, you know, un- understand and physical volume. So how many classrooms of water bottles maybe do we use in, in a year, in a week, in a day, something that we can visualize. So first of all, I'd set how much of it is out there. Second of all, I might, my second point, so my first, my first point, so my introduction would be about you know, we need to fix the environment. We need to be doing something. And you know where we can start? Disposable plastic water bottles. Why is it important? So, and so then I would stop. So I'd be going, I said, so, so, and I'd be looking at you and I'd be saying, so the big question you're asking is why do I care? And I would say, how many of us go over, and I'd be nodding my head, go over to the, to the vending machine and get 
a water bottle full of water when you're at school or how many of us go into the Zoom store or how many of us go into wherever and buy a plastic water bottle. And I'd say, how many? Give me a show of hands. And as people go, I'd say, I'd let them, lots. So then I'd give some stats on, so why is it an issue? My second point, so at the end of that, I'd probably go, so what can we do about this? And I'd pause. It seems like people don't care. We need to care. What, what can we do? So then I would talk about how, you know, we can use recycled bottles and how affordable they are and how it cuts down on waste, etc. And then my third point would be, how do we start? What's, and then I'd go into literally what they can do, what you can do today, how to make it happen, what you need, what is available, why it's going to make a difference. And I, I would talk about how it's going to make you feel better. And by every little person doing this repetitively and keep on doing it, it's going to make change. That, maybe that's what I would do. So my three points would be all about water bottles. Introduction, a little bit about the environment, 40, 50 seconds. I'd, I'd frame it then around water bottles. I'd then talk about what's the issue? How do we solve it? What do I do? Again, the big issue being, what do I do? And then in the conclusion, I just, so this becomes a really big thing. I then don't want in my conclusion say, you know, the whole speech again, I typically use another, again, a little pause and I would say, so what, so what do we know? So what's the plan here? And, and so that might actually be my, the way I would lead into this one. I might say, so what is the plan? So what do we know? So what have, what have we learned? That might be another one. So what have we learned? One. The environment is super important. We live in a big bathtub. Think about that for a second. Water bottles are a disaster for the environment. We can fix it. How do we fix it? Start using recyclables. And what I want you to do today is when you go home, I want you to find a a bottle and I want you to, to make it yours. I want you to put your name on it. Or I want, on the way home, I want you to stop at the union co-op. Or if you're at home, as you are now, I want you to go and see if you got a bottle. If not, I want you to, I want you to get one. And what I want you to do is I want you to email me today when you fill it up for the first time, your own water bottle that you're going to keep on your desk. I want you to email me, james.pikeaway at zu.ac.ae. I want you to email me when you do it. Because you and I can make a difference. And it starts now is everyone going to do it i mean that's the idea of a persuasive speech right you give them all the reasons and then you give them something to activate and and you make them feel good about themselves you make people say hey you know what this is the first step i'm i'm getting there this is where i'm going so it's really important in these speeches ladies do you have a pen and pencil always important to have things to write down it's really important in your next speech and the speech after a that you have very clear parts to your speech. So we know where the intro is. We transition and know that we're in our first point. We transition, know we're in our second point transition, know we're in our third point transition, know we're in the conclusion. So with our needs to be demarcation, how do you do that? It's a combination of transition statements and words. So what do we know? So how do we fix this? So you're asking questions possibly. I I like to use that technique. Use whatever you want. Clear conclusion that isn't a repetition, but it's giving me the core points and activation. You need people to be able to do something with this. 
And again, the, the, the number one thing, remember, you need to have something that's helping to give credibility. You need to have sources that are helping you with this. And two, two, very important, you need to sound like you're saying it, not reading it. And that means that vocal variety, that pausing, that stuff, more conversational. That's the easiest way to think about it is how do you talk to someone? And literally in a class or in a, in a situation where we're with a group, what do we tend to do? We tend to put on our speaking voices. Dial those back a little bit so that it sounds more like you're having that, that regular conversation. And again, depending on the audiences, you, you, you alter that, but you've got a variety and you know your audience so you can make it work. That becomes important. Now, the, the challenge that we're going to have in today's class is that, or uh, not with just with today's class, but the challenge that you're going to have as you're working on your next two speeches is that you need to also be thinking about visuals. And so in this class, we're going to do a, a little speech. And in your little speech near the end, and so you can start thinking about it now, it's all about trying to do things different. We want to we get people to be thinking about doing stuff differently. And we're going to have a, a couple of slides. I've given you slides. We've got this slide and this slide. We want to try doing something different. And here, these are photos from my place. This is my mask line that I have hanging up of the different masks that, that I use. And my wife uses, and this is uh, a guitar and a stormtrooper head, just kind of random things. But I, I, I like the guitar. I'm not good at playing the guitar and like Star Wars. So I thought a stormtrooper playing a guitar is kind of cool. Try something different. It's all about getting out of our comfort zone. So we're going to do a little speech on, on that, talking about trying something different. What is, what are, what's the goal of doing these speeches, by the way? And why are they important? One, we're really important. It's What's really important, especially in this case, is talking with a couple of slides and thinking about how are we going to use those slides as we're doing our presentation. I've sent them to you as an email. They're a PowerPoint. I've put them into the announcements. They're also there, so you'll be able to get them in, in a few minutes if you haven't seen them already. So why do we do these talks every day? And a minute, 30 seconds, etc. cetera. We're, we're practicing on hearing ourselves, talking with the group. It's a chance to get some feedback with the whole group involved. It's an opportunity to be thinking about how am I using my transitions. Think about those conclusions because whether it's a 20-second talk or a 20-minute talk, you need to be thinking about conclusions. You need to be thinking about the show. You need to be thinking about your voice. You're all there. It's the, and again, this is all part of this, this larger process that we're involved in of packaging up our ideas, but it's all about doing it. And the more you practice it in the context that we're, we're working with here in the class and thinking about how you apply it to other things, the better you get. So pausing, enunciation, no ums and ahs, breathing, three kind of words a second, a little bit of emotion on our face. And you want to transfer that over to when you're working on, on something that you've written down. And when we do all that, we just get better and better and better at it. And ladies, you are getting better and better and better at it. You already have all these skills. Don't get me wrong. You have them all. You're now just pivoting so that the ones that we've been using all of our lives, we just build on that. We make ourselves, we're making ourselves even better. 
we're looking at how to accentuate those skills that we already have. So I'm very excited because I, I think that this is, I, I, you're, you're just doing great stuff. And I think that really is, is an exciting situation. So uh, the other reason I've put up this PowerPoint is for you. I don't know how many of you have got any practice with using our, uh, using the shared screen features. And you, if you haven't had any practice, you want to get a little bit of practice. So you want to, you want to play with it just a little bit to get a nice sense of how it works and what you're going to have to do as you're going to be using that tool. So practice is really important on how you put everything together and, and what happens if things aren't quite working the way you want them to work. So that also becomes really, really important for you because as soon as you start adding elements like visuals to what you're doing, it becomes more of a challenge. And when things become more of a challenge, that's when you get stressed and you don't want to be stressed. I mean, really, the, the less stress we can be part of, the better. And so it's, it's all about thinking about how you're using your tools. And that's where we're going today. So the, the first thing that I want to jump into is the Jamie Oliver talk. Did everyone watch it? Because it is a, a nice talk that is something that we can learn a lot from as well as there are examples of things in his talk that we don't want to do. (laughs) We really don't want to do them, but as a persuasive talk, he's doing some pretty cool stuff. So did everyone get a chance to take a look at it? Did everyone get a chance to take a look at it? Yes, I see Fatma did. Give me a, give me a thumbs up if you did. You, you, this is one of those things you really need to look at these things. Give me a thumbs up if you did. Excellent. Who, who noticed, and there's others, yeah, I see there's others coming in. Great. Who, who noticed that he, he really seemed angry? Who noticed that he seemed angry? Did, did he seem angry? Yeah. And does that anger work with what he's, he's talking about in his speech? So this is, and this is really kind of important because if, have you seen Jamie Oliver in other contexts? Have, have, does anyone ever watch any of his stuff on Instagram or anything? Is he an angry guy? No, he's a happy guy. He, you know, he, he when you watch him, those of you who haven't watched him, he, you know, he, I, I watch his Instagram stuff and, and it just blows my, I, mean, I don't watch a lot of it because I, I, some of the food he's making, it's like, who would eat that? But he gets his hands right in there. You know, he's making a salad. How many of you make salads? We all make salads, right? How many of you make a salad with the salad dressing and stuff on a cutting board? No one. He does. And he's got his hands in there. And I was watching one the other day where, where he actually was measuring stuff out. And he says, yeah, you put a couple teaspoons in. And there's no way you put two teaspoons in. He put like a cup in because he's just kind of putting his hand in there and he's throwing it in. And there's no way that's two teaspoons. Anyway, so he's not an angry guy, but his speech, he was angry. What at one point in his talk, and and he's he's talking about things, and he's 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 giving facts and figures, right? And when you look at it, he used a lot of visuals, and he used a lot of variety of visuals, and he's he's trying to really accentuate things. And in one case, he he had a nice visual where he's using facts and figures from uh, the American whatever whatever he's got the, the site sourcing on his slide, and. 
it it was it, you know the anger was there, but also that he he took advantage of using them to build a little bit of sarcasm in there and build things in. What what's he ultimately? What did he want us to do, ladies? What did he want us to do? What was his goal? Anyone have a sense? Anyone want to turn on their? It's it's okay if you say because honestly, as I'm listening, I I I know what he wants us. I mean, I got the sense he wants us to eat better, but I wasn't sure what he wants us to do. You know, he wants us to eat better. So what's he want? You know what I mean? It was like, okay, so what are you trying to, what are you trying to get us to do? Like you want us to eat better. How do you want us to start? So what's the first thing? And I, and I think ultimately he wants us to take control of our food is so he, he, uh, to look after what we eat. Yeah. So I think Maha, you're right. He said, by, by, exactly. So he wants us, and he goes about doing this in this 18-minute speech. And I thought, be more direct is the first thing I, I thought when I was, I'm, I'm watching this. So he's he's talking about what's in food. He's talking about how kids don't know what fresh food is. Nice little video. He he does a great thing where, and, and it's a classic Jamie Oliver thing where he says, you know, we have to be able to duck and dive. You know, when, when the economy's doing crappy, we need to be able to get out there and make our own food and we need to be able to know what we're doing. We need to, I, every child needs to leave school being able to make seven dishes from scratch. They need to duck and dive. Like that's his, his kind of thing, duck and dive. And he's going on about that and he's moving his hands all over the place and he's walking back and forth. It's like, Jamie Oliver, please stand still. Stop moving everywhere. And he makes an excuse to say, hey, look, I'm dyslexic. So I got it. It's like dyslexia has nothing to do with movement. Dyslexia has to do with reading words and transposing things. Dude, stop moving around so much, please. And I, I did love the fact that if you're looking at that talk, he has those, those cards that are huge, actually, when you look at them. You can see it in his hand here. He's got these cards that he doesn't really read. Let's see if we can get this to work. That's uh, just a life ten years young yeah. of a shorter lifespan than their own parents. So he's he's always moving. He's moving. He's moving. And he moves again. Will live a life ten years younger. I like though he gauges with the audience. The landscape of food that we've built around them. Two thirds of this room today in America are statistically overweight or obese. You lot, you're all right, but we'll get you eventually. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> The statistics of bad health are clear, very clear. We I love this slide. We being paranoid about death, murder, homicide, you name it. It's on the front page of every paper, CNN. Look at homicide at the bottom, for God's sake. <laughs> right? So nice, nice little use of a slide because he's, he's making the point that we're concerned about all of these things that we see. And, and you take a look at that slide and you start going up, you know, all the things that we die from heart disease and all cancers, stroke, heart disease is number one, but you know, up there almost 30%, way higher than homicides and all these other different crime things. So, you know, kidney disease, they're all, they're all much lower. Diabetes, it's up there. So he's used this slide, highlighted things in red. That's all he wants to point out. He's got some sources there, and he's talking about, you know, where he's getting things. So he's, he's bringing those ideas in. Would I, would, I, would I be a little bit more overt? Where, do we, where did I get this from? Absolutely. I'd want people to know that, hey, this comes from the Center for Disease Control or whatever. This is what we're dying, you know, how, wherever it's coming from. I think it needs to be a little bit more overt but he's got these things in his hand so he's going people clawed and that very nice 
his notes in his hand, as you can see there, very nice. But they also become kind of a distractor because he keeps waving them around. Every single one of those ones in the red could be part of a show, though. Related disease. Any doctor, any specialist will tell you that fact. Diet-related disease is the biggest killer. Stop moving your hand, sir. Right now, here today. This is a global problem. It's a catastrophe. It's sweeping the world. So I love that it's a global problem. It's a catastrophe. It's sweeping the world. Stop moving around. So he uses all sorts of these different things as he's as he's pulling it together. And he's, he's again, what I, if I was helping him, coaching him and Hey, what do I know? But I think we're all have things to offer in retrospect. It would, I would say, keep reminding me right from the beginning. So what's the goal here? And keep reminding me, we can fix this. We can fix this and then move on and say, we can fix this. And he, he keeps showing things. And so part of what he's doing in his talk, part of the thing that I would say, this is what you want to think about not doing is remembering that what you want to be keeping in mind is that your audience might not necessarily be following along with how things connect. And this again is where your transitions come in. This is where your repetition comes in. Don't, and it's really important, especially in a persuasive speech, especially in the motivational speech that you're going to do at the end. Remind people how this is coming together. Remind them what you want them to do with this information, how you want them to, 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 to use it, whether it's just, you know, hey, this, I'm telling you this because you can do this as well. I'm telling you this because, and in the case of a persuasive speech, we can make a difference. You can start, we're getting to it. And then, so you, you move forward. So it's all about keeping people up to speed with why am I, why are you telling me this? Oh yeah. I'm framing why this is this is important. And actually, he's at the beginning part of his speech. He's talking about why we need to be thinking about food because food is killing us. And it's the fast food. It's this. It's that. He, he actually uses that video. I don't know. If, see how far in it is. And he uses it pretty good. I, I wouldn't complain too much about it. England is right behind you. Let's see if we got it here. Then he goes in. He's got stuff. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Your public. Your... Huntington, West Virginia, beautiful town. Stop I moving. Put heart and soul and people, your public, around the statistics that we've become so used to. I want to introduce you to some of the people that I care about. Your public, your children. I want to show a picture of my friend Brittany. She's 16 years old. She's got six years to live because of the food that she's eaten. She's the third generation of Americans that hasn't grown up in a food environment where they've been taught to cook at home or in school or her mum or her mum's mum. She has six years to live. So a little bit of repetition. He's introduced it. He's put up the slide. He's given the picture. You can see that she's morbidly obese and he's given that whole sort of thing. He's getting angry. And again, what's he trying to do? We can fix this. How? Control what we eat. And as, as he's saying, so what's, where is he kind of going there? Growing up in a family where people don't cook. They just order in. They get fast food. They go to, so yeah, they go to the grocery store and they cook. They cook a frozen pizza. Yeah, they go to the grocery store and they cook something out of a bag. Yeah, they go there. How much of, how many of us are going and buying the fresh veg, the fresh meat, the fresh stuff? 
that we actually do ourselves. That's where he's going with this. So he's got multiple things that he's trying to play on. It's a really long talk. Look, and it's, it's not necessarily a true persuasive talk. It's also quite a bit of a, uh, a talk that he's, he's doing because he won a prize to promote these ideas. But it becomes really important that as you're using these tools that you're thinking Keep about... Eating a liver to death. Stacey, the Edwards family... This is a normal family, guys. Stacey does her best, but she's third generation as well. She was never taught to cook at home or at school. The family's obese. Justin here, 12 years old. He's 350 pounds. He gets bullied, for God's sake. The daughter there, Katie, she's four years old. She's obese before she even gets to primary school. Marissa, she's all right. She's one of your lot. But you know what? Her father, who was obese, died in her arms. And then the second most important man in her life... Her uncle died of obesity, and now her stepdad is obese. You see, the thing is, obesity and diet-related disease doesn't just hurt the people that have it, it's all of their friends, families, brothers, sisters. Pastor Steve, an inspirational man, one of my early allies in Huntington, West Virginia, he's at the sharp knife edge of this problem. He has to bury the people, okay? And he's fed up with it. He's fed up with burying his friends, his family, his community. Come winter, three times as many people die. He's sick of it. This is preventable disease. Waste of life. Uh, by the way, this is what they get. So, he, so he's going on. He's sick of it. And then he stops. He pauses. Oh, by the way, this is a preventable disease. This is something we can fix. And then he, he, he says, oh, and then he, he's back up to something else. We're not geared up to do this. Can't even get them out the door, and I'm being serious. Can't even get them there. Forklift. Okay, I see it as a triangle, okay? This is our landscape of food. I need you to understand it. You've probably heard all this before, but let's just go back over it. So then he's going through his plan, right? I love this piece here. Let's, oh, he shows a bit of video. Keep it short, and you kind of introduce it. So life always evolves. We can't this might be his duck and dive part. Police themselves. What, in this current climate? They don't deserve it. How can you say something is low-fat when it's full of so much sugar? Home. The biggest problem with a home is that used to be the heart of passing on uh, food, food culture, um, what made our society. That ain't happening anymore. And, and you know what, as we go to work and as life changes and as life always evolves... We kind of have to look at it holistically, step Slow back down, for a moment, stay in and one readjust spot. the balance. It ain't happening. It hasn't happened for 30 years, okay? I want to show you a situation that is very normal right now, the Edwards family. So he introduces what he's going to show. This, this stuff goes through you and your family's body every week. And I need you to know that this is going to kill your children's early. How are you feeling? I'm just feeling really sad and depressed right now. That, you know, I want my kids to succeed in life and uh, this isn't going to get them there. But I'm killing them. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> you are. But we can stop that. So what, what I, I, interesting little video, we can fix it. But that's it. You see how short it was? It showed something. It frames where he's going next. The video works with the talk. 
not one of these, you know, let's play 60 seconds of video that, that we often see in so many classes that do the entire speech that you've just done. This, you're using video, you're using images to build what you're doing. So today I'm going to ask you to use a couple images. I just want you to get used to talking with them. But you want them, ultimately, you want images, and it could be two, could be five, could be 20. You want them to work with your talk. Normal. So then he comes back, listen to that. And he's, he's talking, he's changed vocal variety, right? As normal. He schools, something that I'm fairly- so then he, you know, then he, he moves on and he's moving on to his next thing. So the, the point being, as we're thinking about persuasive speeches, we've got a lot of things that are going on with us. Yes, we're giving information, but we're giving information to push us towards change of action change of thought, change of perception, and we need people to be pushed towards making that change. And if we're not doing that with our our persuasive speech, then the persuasive speech ultimately isn't doing its job. Then it's just giving us information. So we need to be really, really thinking, how, is it, how am I packaging this information? How am I putting it together? What's, where is it going to lead to? And, and again, that becomes that challenge that, that you're working with as you do your speech. So yes, you've got all these skills. And as I keep saying to you over and over and over again, hey, look, it's, it's an introduction Three points. You might only get to two. Keep that in mind as you slow down and as you put more and more things into those points that exemplify through examples, through personal stories. But, but it, we're following the same container. Introduction, three points, conclusion. The way you then package all of that, is it a motivational speech? Is it an informative speech? Is it a persuasive speech? Those speeches need to be doing different things. And so you've got to be thinking about how am I putting these words together? What, what, what am I trying to get people to do? And you, you need to be really clear with yourself. And that's why I constantly say, ladies, use your sticky notes, put them on your computer, put them wherever you're like, what am I trying to get people to do? Can you put it down into three words? Stop overeating, more exercise, say thank you, care more, trust more, pray more. I don't know, but you need to you know, know, okay, this is what I want them to do now. How am I going to convince people that this is a good thing? And remember, like he showed with that picture of all that food, that, that really works. When people get, you can say, oh yeah, we really eat pretty bad in the week. So he went and took everything. Okay. What would you eat this week? Give me the menu. Went and bought it all, put it on the table. When you see it all, you kind of go, holy crap, that's, that's brutal. You know, what, what was there? Pogo's hot dogs, pizza. It's all finger food. It's all things you just eat with your hands. That's fast food. And, and as he said earlier in his speech, he says, yeah, hey, yeah, we got all the low fat stuff. Low fat's great. Look at the ingredients. Low fat, high sugar. If it's high sugar, you don't want to be eating it either. So this is, again, big problems. And how do you control the fat, the salt, the sugar in foods? Make it yourself. Does it take a little bit more time? Maybe. Is it hugely more gratifying? Absolutely. Is it something that you're, you're going to enjoy eating? Most definitely. Are you going to have some missteps? Absolutely. But it works pretty good. I had one last night. I, had, I did these kind of uh, uh, gnocchi. You know, gnocchi is kind of like a doughy thing. You keep seeing them on the shelf. Look it up. 
G-N-O-C-H-I, gnocchi. And uh, they were horrible. I mean, they were okay. But usually I would say, oh, I'll have these tomorrow too. But now I threw them out. <laughs> Ate dinner. I mean, yeah, it was okay. Going to save it for leftovers? Nope. And, and so will I make them a different way? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're potato-y things. I put potato and flour. They're kind of cool. Easy to make, actually. But if you're going to make them, the potatoes, once you've mashed them up and you put all the flour, it needs to, you need to wait till it's cold. Don't do it it's hot. Anyway, um, the, the point being, kind of a, you've got to be thinking, how am I putting all this all together? And you got to be brutal with yourself. It's like, okay, are people going to get this? What are my transitions going to be? How am I going to get from this point to that point? And he does it really like, oh, yeah, let me show you this. Oh, hold on a second. I need to build this point. I, hold on a second. I got another example for you. And you might plan it out that way. Plan it as if you're showing us these things. It really does work well. Got a few people coming in and out of here. <laughs> oh, is there an eclipse on right now? All right. So apparently there's an eclipse on right now. Maybe maybe we'll take a 10-minute a break and we'll come back. All right. Ladies, let's go take a look at the eclipse. Tell me what you think. We will, we will be right back. Sorry for disturbing. That's my wife. And uh, in the back is Brando the dog. All right. Okay. So let's take a 10-minute break. And when we come back, we will pick up the action. All right. See you in a second. All right. Welcome back to class, ladies. Welcome back. People are streaming in. So where are we at as we start moving forward again? Basically, we're talking about these persuasive speeches. And like all speeches, great to see so many of you jumping back in. Like so many things that we talk about, it's it's a constant reapplication, and it's it's thinking ultimately about with any speech. What's the purpose of my speech? What am I trying to do? Where am I going with these words? And look, let's be honest. What do you want to do? You want to get the best grade possible. You're, but how do you get the, the best grade possible in any context? Whether it's in this class, whether it's in another class, it's how you formulate your material and how you present it, how the story logically carries through so that that person who's listening to it ultimately goes, wow, she really knows what she's talking about. She really gets it. And that's all in any class. If you're presenting for a MPS class, if you're presenting for an ISC class, if you're presenting for a psychology class, if you're presenting for an international studies class, what does any of those professors, what do any of those professors really want to know? One, do you understand the material? Are you able to explain it in a meaningful way? And do you get it? So are you just reading off what you've produced or are you able to repackage it so that it demonstrates that you get it? That's what they want, that you understand it. It's a box check. Do they understand it? Yes. If you're just reading it, do they understand it? Do I, do I know that you understand it? No. If you can make it sound you know, something that is by you, that is approachable, that is easy to understand, that is clear, that, at least in the decoding process of whoever is listening to it, then they go, oh, yeah, she gets it. Oh, yeah, she understands it. Simply because of the way you've packaged it. 
And that's really important to keep that in mind as you're using all of these tools. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Great to have you. Good. Great. Did anyone manage to get on their polarizing lenses and take a look up and see the moon going in front of the sun? Did anyone, did anyone manage? Anyone manage? Shadow of the moon. Did anyone manage? Nobody. No, no. Ur did. Was it cool? Fatma, no. You know, we're going we're gonna to watch it. Uh, not here, but we're going to watch it on, on Instagram. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's kind of a neat thing. And, and it's during the day. And yeah, cool stuff goes on. All right. So where do we want to go with this? So we've got, so the first thing is there's a reading. I would suggest you do take a look at it. There's parts of it today and parts of it next class that we'll I'll highlight for you. But it's, it's not a hard reading. And there are parts of it that actually get us thinking about things as you're doing any speech. And especially in a persuasive speech, who's the audience? And audiences are not just a group of people who are sitting with us and who are saying, oh yeah, I totally agree with everything she's saying. Or no, I totally disagree with everything that she's saying. Or are they somewhere in between? You need to be thinking, how am I going to get these people to buy in to where this conversation is going? That's, that's really, really important for you. And you don't want to take any of that for granted. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the strategies that you use to persuade people. And, and essentially ethos, logos, and pathos. You need to be thinking about your credibility, the quality of your argument, and the emotional connection that you're putting in place. This is really important. We do this all the time. You do th- in fact, you, you ladies, let's, let's face it. Think about it. You're experts at persuading. Have you ever tried to get money or what you want for dinner or what you want to go for, see at a movie or to go out? Have you ever had to persuade a parent who said, you can't do it? No, no, you can't go out. And they say, oh, come on. And, this, and then you've made the case and then they've said, okay, you can go out for an hour. That's persuasive speaking. That is persuasive speaking in the flesh. You're good at it. You know it. So now we're just putting these things into context so that you can apply it in other, in other situations and make it work. One of the ones that I always say to, that with students and, and you know, when they'll come to the office and they'll say, you know, um, things, it's like you, you got you to have the motivation to do anything involved in what you're talking about. If you don't have the motivation involved, why is anyone going to do anything? So you've got to give in your speeches that motivation to change that action why it works so where, where we want to go really quickly great to we've got a whole bunch of you back wonderful so if you if you're heading back to our notes of course you've got the jamie oliver speech i would watch that it, and there's always going to be something in a speech that you can think about it's like whether whether it's the visuals in his point all he wanted was those big red lines and the ones at the top in that speech were the ones that were all food related and the ones that were, are the ones we all hear about over and over again. The cop shows, the things, the death are the ones that people die of the least of. And so he's saying, you know, food, something we could fix. So think about those visuals, how you can use them, how you can stylize them for your own presentations. There's the, the, the link to the reading. I highly encourage you download these things. They're good for the rest of your life. They're going to be good when you're coaching somebody on how they can speak better because it's one thing to be able to speak yourself. And I think it's really good. And you're getting all these trips, you're getting all this, this, this experience and you're learning and you're doing it very fast, which is hard. Let me tell you what you're doing is hard. 
because it takes a while for it to stick and to break those old habits. You're, you're, you're going to be very good at helping to coach your brothers, your sisters, your mom and dad as they're doing presentations, giving them a few tips. And I think that's, that's huge. And remember, you, you, at some point you might take an Arabic language speaking course. Don't let anyone tell you that, oh, no, no, the way we speak in Arabic is different than the way we speak and present in English. No, no, the way you present to audiences changes. The way you present in different languages does not change. And so these things that we're talking about, they go from language to language. If I'm speaking in English, I do it the same way. If I'm speaking in French, I do it the same way. If I was speaking in Arabic, I do it the same way. The audience changes, and you might have to change for the audience. But the way you speak is the same basic organization and the same things to be considered. Don't let anyone tell you different because there's nowhere in the world that it says, oh, no, 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 when you present in Chinese, you present different. It's not true. Cultural habits are different. The way people think of things are different, but the physical presentations always involve the same parts. So where I want to go here very quickly is I want to show you this talk by Ron Goodman. And let me just make sure I got some audio here. So Ron Goodman's talk, The Hidden Power of Smiling, is, I think, a really good persuasive speech. Now, there's a problem with this speech, and the problem is I sometimes think he talks way too fast. But I want you to look at what, what's his goal? What's he trying to do? So things I want you to be listening for, I want you to be listening for how he's using credibility and how he's using studies, etc., to add credibility to what he's saying. The science of the power of the smile. How is he using science to build and how is he giving himself credibility? So I want you to look at this talk and think of this talk as an example of what you need to do in your own talk. Second, I want you to think of the enthusiasm that he's using as he's talking. And third, I want you to listen very carefully to the conclusion. So let's give this talk a quick look. When I was a child, I always wanted to be a superhero. I wanted to save the world and make everyone happy. But I knew that I'd need superpowers to make my dreams come true. So I used to embark on these imaginary journeys to find intergalactic objects from planet Krypton, which was a lot of fun but didn't yield much resolve. When I grew up and realized that science fiction was not a good source for superpowers, I decided instead to embark on a journey of real science to find a more useful truth. I started my journey in California with a UC Berkeley 30-year longitudinal... So there we go. Right off the bat, he's, he's done a nice introduction. He's given himself this idea. He's framing it. What did I want to do? Where did this all start? He's giving you a little look at himself, and he's doing it very fast. And then he gets in, he starts into his talk. And he's saying, look, I, I was looking for the superpower, so he's gear, gearing it around his superpower. And then I decided to do some scientific Research. Of real science to find a more useful truth. I started my journey in California with a UC Berkeley 30-year longitudinal study. Okay, right off the bat, 
right off the bat, what's he done? How is he adding credibility to what he's doing? He started with a UC Berkeley 30-year longitudinal study. He doesn't give us the title. He doesn't say who the authors were, but you know that he's got them and they would be in, in a textual part, right? But that's what he's done. He's now added credibility. Who can argue? UC Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley, study 30-year longitudinal. It's like, that's a longitudinal study. That's the same group of people over a period of time. That's pretty darn good. That's credibility. Right off the bat. That examined the photos of students in an old yearbook and tried to measure their success and well-being throughout their life. By measuring the students' smiles, researchers were able to predict how fulfilling and long-lasting a subject marriage will be, how well she would score in standardized tests of well-being, and how inspiring she would be to others. In another yearbook, I stumbled upon Barry Obama's picture. When I first saw his picture, I thought that his superpowers came from his super collar. <laughs> but now I know it was all in his smile. Another aha moment came from a 2010 Wayne State University uh, research project. Oh, here we go. So now he's got another one. So what's he, what's he looking at? Superpower of smiles. He's talking about the power of the smile. He, I, and I think maybe he needs to be, I, I, unless I missed it, he needs to be a little bit clearer on that's what, you know, he's looking at that as a thing. You know, he, he kind of alluded to it in the first thing, you know, how, how facial expressions give us this well-being stuff. But I, I would say be more in my face, the power of the smile. Second thing he's looked at. So he starts off looking at yearbooks. Now he's got another, he's got a Wayne State study, another university, another study. That looked into pre-1950s baseball cards of major league players. The researchers found that the span of a player... So again, when we start, look, so the first thing is he got credibility. The second thing that we, we get from here, and let me just get rid of this bar that's going through it. The second thing that he's got is he's talking about baseball cards, pre-1950s baseball cards. So what does his images show? He shows two baseball cards. So you know exactly as he's talking about the, the look on these people's faces, etc. and he's talking about baseball cards, you see the baseball cards. That's it. When he showed yearbook photos earlier, what did he show? He showed the picture of what yearbook photos look like in case you've never seen yearbook, yearbook photos. But he's giving you that idea. So instantly you go, oh yeah, yearbook photos, there we go. And so that becomes very important as the visuals are going through one that they flow with your talk seamlessly and two that they're adding that little bit of a reminder that little bit of a repetition but that they're adding something to it how many of these slides that we're seeing at this moment are full of words none do you need to have a lot of words no ultimately if you want a lot of words Give it to people on a piece of paper. Don't force them to read them off a screen. You're looking, remember, go back to the visual stuff that we've done. We've got two sets of notes on that. One of them comes from TED. One of them comes from the uh, online speaking project.org reading. The TED one is, is, is pretty clear, 24-point font. If you're going to use any f- font in a speech, it's, big, it's big, big font on a slide. You don't have room to put a lot of words. If you need to put a lot of words on a slide, give it to people on a handout. It makes it much better. Wayne State University uh, research project that looked into pre-1950s baseball cards of major league players. The researchers found that the span of a player's smile 
could actually predict the span of his life. Players who didn't smile in their pictures lived an average of only 72.9 years, where players with beaming smiles lived an average of almost eight. So he's, he's, he's got a study from Wayne State University that talks about people with smiles, how long they lived, and people without, without smiles, how long they lived, people with smiles. But look at the graph. Smiling predicts longevity. He's got three beaming smiles. He's got, and he's got years. And that's it. He's got a fit. Do you think for a second that this graph, the one that we're looking at, is the graph that was in the study? No. In the study, there would have been some graph that came out of a, a, an Excel sheet and it would have had little numbers here and little numbers there. Why do you need a graph like that? You don't. If you need to produce those graphs, put them on a piece of paper so people can read them. Giant fonts so that people can, you can see this. If your visuals don't pass the squint test. So all I want you to do, I want you to do the squint test, ladies. Here's the squint test. So let me, let me get close to the thing. Is all you do is you squint your eyes. You see my eyes? Squint them so that your eyelashes are kind of touching so that you get that fuzz right? Squint them. And when you do the, when you do the squint test, can you still make out with the words and the numbers? Pretty much. Squint test. If you can read stuff through the squint test, you win because that means it's easy to read. Colors are easy to read. White on red. Could you see it from, or orange? Can you see it from the back of a class or back of a room? Because you're not always in a Zoom. Yes. Hey, you know what? This is a great example of how to stylize the representations of numbers. Would any professor be happy to see something like this? Yes, because it's readable, it's attaching to your audience, it's big smile, middle smile, no smile, slight smile. It gives you an example of what they are, and it gives you the numbers of how long people live. And he's talking about it. Let's go back to see how he talks about the slide. Back it up a little bit. Of his life... Players who didn't smile in their pictures lived an average of only 72.9 years, where players with beaming smiles lived an average of almost 80 years. So he's even averaged out the numbers. So he doesn't mention the slight smile. He goes, no small 72.9. And he says, beaming smiles live almost 80 years. He doesn't mention slight smiles and he moves on. Does he need to mention the slight smile? No. You've already read it. He's, he's got a point to why he's putting this together. What's the point? Smiling is good. The good news is that we're actually born smiling. Using 3D ultrasound technology, we can now see that developing babies appear to smile even in the womb. When they're born, babies continue to smile, initially mostly in their sleep, and even blind babies smile to the sound of the human voice. Smiling is one of the most basic, biologically uniform expressions of all humans. In studies he conducted in Papua New Guinea, Paul Ekman... So now he's, got, now he's going more... Paul Ekman, if we're a sociologist, even psychologist, Paul Ekman, he's a big name. Papua New Guinea, Paul Ekman, studies conducted. More credibility. That's all we need. The world most renowned researcher on facial expression found that even members of the Fori tribe who were completely disconnected from Western... 
So now he's talking about the Fori tribe. Do you know anything about the Fori tribe? No. Does he give us a whole bunch of stuff? No. He's going to tell us that they're not well connected into societies. We don't know about them. They're a separate group. But you say, oh, one of those tribes that has the face painting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we get a sense of who they are. Culture and also known for their unusual cannibalism rituals. <laughs> Attributed smiles to descriptions of situation the same way you and I would. So from Papua New Guinea to Hollywood, all the way to modern art in Beijing, we smile often and you smile to express joy and satisfaction. How many people here in this room smile more than 20 times per day? Raise your hand if you do. Oh, wow. So, you know, again, he's got a little bit of audience interaction. Raise your hand. Oh, wow. You know, and would he say, oh, wow, if there were 20 or if there were 10? Yes, probably planned in. Outside of this room, more than a third of us smile more than 20 times per day, whereas less than 14% of us smile less than five. In fact, those with the most amazing superpowers are actually children who smile as many as 400 times per day. Have you ever wondered why being around children who smile so frequently make you smile very often? A recent study at Uppsala University in Sweden. Oh, here we go. Another study. So he's, you know, we know that children smile and this and that. And then, have you ever wondered why? So he's, he's leading into yet another part. Have you ever wondered why? Well, let me tell you, there's another study here. Found that it's very difficult to frown when looking at someone who smiles. You ask why? Because smiling is evolutionary contagious and it suppresses the control we usually have on our facial muscles. Mimicking a smile and experiencing it physically help us understand whether a smile is fake or real so we can understand the emotional state of the smiler. In a recent mimicking study at the University of Clermont-Ferrand in France, subjects were asked to determine whether a smile was real or fake while holding a pencil in their mouth to repress smiling muscles. Without the pencil, subjects were excellent judges, but with the pencil in their mouth, when they could not mimic the smile they saw, their judgment was impaired. <laughs> in addition to theorizing on evolution in the origin of species, Charles Darwin also wrote the facial feedback response theory. His theory states that the act of smiling itself actually makes us feel better, rather than smiling being merely a result of feeling good. So here's, a, here's an interesting one as you're thinking about this presentation. So now he's got Darwin. He's brought a little Darwin into it. He's put up a quote. Excellent. Again, look how big those letters are. Those letters are huge. So it's not, it's not uh, you know, a, a really small quotation that he's in. That, those are big letters. But let's back it up a, a second here. Let me just clear these. Clear. So it's, it's big text, easy, white on red, easy to read. And you've got the little picture of Darwin, so you know who we're talking about. And let's just back it up and start it. Response theory. His theory states that the act of smiling itself actually makes us feel better rather than smiling being merely a result of feeling good. Uh so he's got the quote. He's put the quote up. What didn't he do? He didn't read it. He tells us what the theory is, and he's put the Darwin quote. So you're hearing him talk, and you're reading the quote. You're getting two sets of information. Two for the time of one. So now, 
he's giving you extra stuff and he's using his visuals to augment his own presentation. That is pretty clever. Uh, in his study, Darwin actually cited the French neurologist Julien Duchamp, who used electric jolts to facial muscles to induce and stimulate smiles. Please don't try this at home. In a related German study, researchers used fMRI imaging to measure brain activity before and after injecting Botox to suppress smiling muscles. The findings supported Darwin's theory by showing that facial feedback modifies the neural processing of emotional content in the brain in a way that helps us feel better when we smile. Smiling stimulates our brain reward mechanism in a way that even chocolate, a well-regarded pleasure inducer, cannot match. British researchers found that one smile can generate the same level of brain stimulation as up to 2,000 bars of chocolate. Wait, the same study found that smiling is as stimulating as receiving up to 16,000 pounds sterling in cash. That's like 25 grand a smile. It's not. So here he's got some, some study that's talking about one smile is equivalent to how much chocolate or receiving how much money, and he's making some parallels between it. You know, kind of fun, gets but, people laughing. And, and think about it this way 25,000 times 400. Quite a few. So he's gone back, right? Because what did he say? On average, kids smile about 400 times a day. $25,000 for a smile, 400 smiles. Kids out there feel like Mark Zuckerberg every day. <laughs> and unlike lots of chocolate, lots of smiling can actually make you healthier. Smiling can help reduce the level of stress-enhancing hormones like cortisol, adrenaline, and dopamine, increase the level of mood-enhancing hormones like endorphin and reduce overall blood pressure. And if that's not enough, smiling can actually make you look good in the eyes of others. A recent study at Penn State University found that when you smile, you don't only appear to be more likable and courteous, but you actually appear to be more competent. So again, he's, he's talking about smiling and he had, you know, what, what smiling does physiologically for us, dopamine, et cetera. And then he brings in another study. So again, I'm not saying use a million studies in your talks, but I am saying, hey, you know what? You need some other source of, of validity to push your claims forward. It's, you know, the thing that's going through all of your minds right now, how many do I need? Please tell me. Look, hey, you got a couple? I'm happy. I've, you've got zero? I'm not happy. You, you got at least two? Hey, that works for me. If you get five? Hey, that works for me. You want to make sure it's very clear as you're coming to a big crescendo of a point that you've got something to help add credibility to what you're saying, as he's doing. So whenever you want to look great and competent, reduce your stress, or improve your marriage, or feel as if you just had a... Okay, hold on a second here. Let me uh, back it up, because he's gone right into his... He's getting close to his conclusion. So let's get, let's get back here. ...and dopamine, increase the level of mood-enhancing hormones, like endorphin, and reduce overall blood pressure. And if that's not enough, smiling can actually make you look good in the eyes of others. A recent study at Penn State University found that when you smile, you don't only appear to be more likable and courteous, but you actually appear to be more competent. 
So whenever you want to look great and competent, reduce your stress, or improve your marriage, or feel as if you just had a whole stack of high-quality chocolate without incurring the caloric cost, or as if you found 25 grand in a pocket of an old jacket you hadn't worn for ages, or whenever you want to tap into a superpower that will help you and everyone around you live a longer, healthier, happier life, smile. So let's go back here for a second. Appear to be more competent. Here's the conclusion. So whenever you want to look great and competent, reduce your stress, or improve your marriage, or feel as if you just had a whole stack of high-quality chocolate without incurring the caloric cost, or as if you found 25 grand in a pocket of an old jacket you hadn't worn for ages, or whenever you want to. Tap into a superpower. Because that was the very, very first thing that he was talking about. He wanted to find the superpower. And what's the superpower? The superpower is the smile. So he's, take, he's tied his entire talk together. All of the core parts of the smile, he's just rhymed them all off, including the latest ones with the chocolate and how they're worth $25,000, et cetera, et cetera. And then the superpower thing, which is why he started doing the talk. It's the very beginning, Right. Here we go. Of an old jacket you hadn't worn for ages. Or whenever you want to tap into a superpower that will help you and everyone around you live a longer, healthier, happier life, smile. Here we go. Invokes a little Mother Teresa in the end, puts up a quote, doesn't read it. But the quote is, again, saying the power of the smile. He calls it a superpower. He ties his whole talk together very quickly. Boom, it's done. And he's referenced pretty much everything that he's built through that seven-minute bit. And how long is that little conclusion? Let's just see. It's, it's not very long. It goes back. So he starts in at about... Okay, okay, so we go here, 638. To be more competent. So whenever you want to look great and competent, reduce your stress or improve your marriage or feel as if you just had a whole stack of high-quality chocolate without incurring the caloric cost, or as if you found 25 grand in a pocket of an old jacket you hadn't worn for ages, or whenever you want to tap into a superpower that will help you and everyone around you live a longer, healthier, happier life. Smile. So 710 minus 638, we're talking like under 30 seconds, first conclusion. And he's pulled the entire talk together. I like that conclusion. I, I, I really like that style of boom, 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 boom. You don't have to tell me everything. You, you don't have to tell your audience, but what's your goal? Remember, you can do textbook. It's okay. Textbook's a C. Give us elegance. Pull it together. You know where you're going. You're on a roll. You're, you're, you're giving us that thing. Boom, boom. He's, and he's telling us, hey, it's like talk. Or you, you found $25,000 in your pocket. What's the superpower? Smiling. So if you want to have that super, smile. And that, he, you know what? It kind of works. Is this a talk that he would have practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced? Absolutely. There's, there's no question in my mind that, that he would have practiced and practiced. Does it work generally? Not bad. I mean, I think that there's, are there things he could fix? Of course. Does the core idea, though, and the flow of how he brought things together and how he used his images 
to sort of transport his talk through with an introduction where he starts off with as a child in search of a superpower. Then he thought, hey, you know, I'm going to do this scientifically. And then he leads into the conclusion. Does that all create a complete package that I know what he's talking about and I know where he's going? Yes. Did he have citations for every single thing that he was mentioning? No. Does he have credible credible proof for a lot of, of the core points, the studies, etc.? Yes. Does he put studies in to give him credibility with this whole idea of a smile? Because if you say, hey, a smile is, you know, a smile is a really important thing. Yeah, yeah, prove it. Well, I've got this study. I've got this study. I've got Darwin. I've got that. I've got this. I've got, hold on, a study that even talks about sugar and smiling and and how you feel good and a smile makes you feel good. And hey, I've got another study that talks about how when you put a smile on your face, people even think about you differently. (sighs) Smiling's amazing, isn't it? And and, and you can't, what are you going to do? Well, I don't believe that. I got study. I was like, it's the study. Mm. All you're trying to do is create that credibility, right? You want people to say, can you argue with that? It's like, you can, but he's put bringing it all together and he's not reading it to us. He's not giving us, well, the study says he's making it accessible. He's making it, and that's, again, that other goal, right? It's not just reading a term paper. Those are the bo- most boring things. And when a student gets up and says, I'm going to talk to you about my research that I did. It's like, oh, no. Am I, am I, am I not going to yawn? So you, you want to be thinking about how do I keep people engaged? How do I show them that? Whether it's with stories or with examples. He had a lot. So his, his talk is full of examples, as a physical speech, what would I do? Slow down a little bit, dude. Two, stop moving your hands so much. But slow down, stop moving your hands, a little bit more pause. Easy things to work on. Is he nervous? Yes. Is English his first language? No. Is the pronunciation pretty good? Not bad. Is he excited? Does he have enthusiasm? Absolutely. Is enthusiasm for what you're talking about? He's talking about a happy thing. He's talking about how you can make change. Is that good? Do you need to show that enthusiasm? Yes. So I think as a, again, as a talk to say, okay, what's the example of what, where I should go? That talk is, is a great example. If you're, if you're thinking of talks and you know, a lot of folks say, okay, a lot of people might say, you know, what, what, what exactly do you want? What's, what do I need to do in, in that talk? By Goodman, that is a great example of what you want to do and what what to model yourself on. If you want to, if you want that example, that is a great talk. Jamie Oliver did a pretty good talk. So you want to be thinking, how do you play with that in your own context? And now I'm not saying be Jamie Oliver, but I'm saying Think about emotion. And both Ron Goodman and Jamie Oliver had emotion. Ron Goodman and Jamie Oliver have pretty decent slides. Are they full of words? No. You're going to give me slides full of words? That's old ZU. I don't want old ZU. I see old ZU all the time. I'm trying to get people to change their ways. Give me a better set of talk, of, of images that go with those talks that you're doing. Could there be words on them? Yes. Is it, are you going to give me that slide that says, this is my outline, this is my first point? Why would you do that? I want you to tell me about it. Tell me where you're going. And maybe you're, you're, you, know, you, you stylize it. Think about how you can do that. Think outside the box. Remember, taking this beyond, you've got these great talks to help 
inspire you on your own talk. Can you, can you borrow their words? No. Can you borrow their styles? Yes. Make the style yours. Do something different. Scare yourself a little bit. Say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right out on the edge and I'm going to do this talk just like I'm talking to the whole class. I'm going to put my heart and soul and emotion into it. Something that is totally outside of my usual comfort zone. And I'm going to do this fantastic speech with so much vocal variety that it's like I'm just, it's like you're talking to a friend when you've just gotten a brand new puppy or a new kitten, or a new pair of shoes, or that new phone, and you're so excited because you woke up in the morning, and your brother came into the room and knocked on the door and says, and he said, and he said, uh, Aya, I don't even know if Aya's got a brother. Aya, I've got a new phone for you. Here you go. And it's like, huh, what did I, what? the excitement you've got when you unwrap it, and you open it up, and you turn it on. And it's like, wow, this is a, that's the kind of talk you want to do. And then, so I'm not saying full of emotion like that, you know, over the, but you need emotion. Because there's always parts where you're emotional and you're happy and then there's parts where you're sad. So you want to have all of that built in to where you're going. Is that making sense to you? Does that make sense? Is that making sense? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. All right. So then, then let's, let's take a look at a, a couple of little things that become very important as you're putting together a talk. So remember, introduction, conclusion, three core ideas, but make sure you focused in. So again, if you're talking about the environment, what are you talking about the environment? Are you talking about recycling? Are you talking about water? Are you talking about reusable bags? Are you talking about electric cars? Are you talking about walking? Are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, we have a quiz today, Taya, by the way. Yes, there is a quiz. It's a beautiful quiz. It's, it's, it's completely beautiful. We'll, we'll do it shortly. Um, you need to be thinking, ladies, about your audience. And you need to be thinking, what is my audience expecting from me? And do, are they going to agree with me? Are they going to disagree with me? Are they open for suggestion? Who's my audience? So really important tip to think about before you go and speak to anyone. When someone says, hey, can you come and speak to my, my group about your, your latest art project? Hey, can you come and speak? Who's the audience? Know as much about your audience. Am I speaking to a group of ZU students? If, I'm, if it's yes, hey, yeah, you're speaking to ZU students. Okay, what, what majors are they in? What year are they in? What emirate are they in? All of these things might play into what you're doing and how you're going to build this talk and make this talk work. And so as you're trying to persuade people, you want to be thinking, well, what, you know, how is this going to influence things? And how am I going to get people to do this? You know, let's be honest. Can an audience connect with you? Does an audience feel that what you're saying makes sense. Does an audience listen to you and go, oh, there's credibility to this? That can all play into it. And you've got to remember it. Sometimes you're going to have an audience that wants to hear what you're saying. And sometimes you're going to have an audience that, yeah, okay, they're, they're open to it. And sometimes you're going to have an audience that is resistant. They don't believe it. They don't want to hear what you're saying. They've got their own mindset. So you, you want to be thinking, how, what, what is my audience? And if it's an audience that doesn't believe me, 
am I going to have to repackage some of what I'm saying with, with more points? We know. Here's the science. Here's the science. Here's the study. Here's what people have said. You know, and here, that yeah, if I've got a hostile audience, I need to convince them. If I've got a neutral audience, I can talk in a little bit different way. And if I've got an audience that's totally into what I'm saying, then that's a whole different ballgame as well because they totally agree. So you've got to be... But ultimately, what does the audience want? They want someone that is talking with them. So you're not lecturing them. No one likes to be lectured. You're talking with them. You're treating with them with respect and you're helping them to understand what's going on. So there's a logical flow through the ideas. There's transitions. These transitions, again, go back through the notes. Transitions are important. How do you get from one point to another in a way that pulls people and isn't necessarily my second point, my third point, which is nice. Let me give you an example. Instead of saying my, you know, my first point is this and how are you going to get to the next part? You might say, let me give you some examples of this. And then you might, if you're going to get to the next part, so what do we know? So how do we make this happen? Becomes nice transitions, a nice pause. This is a disaster. Or is it? And that might be that kind of, ah, and so you need to be thinking, how are you transitioning people through? And again, that's, that's go back to our little lists and think, how do I pull the audience in? One of the really, really important things to think about in, in almost any context, especially when we're looking at receptive audiences, but it, audiences in general, is are, do they have a way of making things happen? And in, in our case, I suspect we're really kind of dealing with a, a pretty receptive audience. But the, the, the point here is that a receptive audience typically agrees with what you're saying. They kind of follow along. So you want to be thinking, how do we, especially with a receptive audience, how do we get them to, to show support for things? How do we get them to buy into things? And you, you, it, what, be, what becomes important, again, with, with all our audiences is you need to grab attention. And that's really what's important at the introduction. Why should they care? Why should I listen to you? Think about it yourself. Think about when you're sitting in a class and someone starts talking and then think about you're in your, or you're in the blue auditorium. Think back to when you used to go there and someone's doing a presentation. How long before you start looking at your Instagram? How long before you, they're talking, how long did you give it before you say, yeah, okay, I've decided I'm just now going to check my Instagram because you're bored. 10 seconds. 20 seconds? Do you give up do you give it 30 seconds? That applies to you as well with your audience. Often we get these neutral audiences, but any audience you need to get their attention fast. 40 seconds? That's a lot. But if you can do it right at the beginning, depends on how long your speech is, right? You need to get the attention quick. Resources, information, steps to do things, especially in a, a per- persuasive talk. Make it connect. If, if, if I can do the things that you're talking about, if I can actuate it, make it happen, I'm more likely to do it. If I'm listening to you and say, oh, you got to protect the environment. It's like, okay, where do I start? Well, just start doing it. Yeah, I ain't going to start doing it. You know, if, if someone says, oh, yeah, you know, we, you've got a, we, we can save the environment by using public transport. It's like, okay, you're going to try and, t- how, how, how can I take public transport to the university? 
is there public transport easily available or do I need to drive? I would take public transport. There's no metro that's coming to the university on regular hours. There's no bus that stops there on a regular schedule that, that's convenient and easy from where I live. So it's, it's not going to happen. So again, thinking about how you can actuate stuff and how you can make and using examples that work very well. The, the challenge that we often face though is with these audiences that are ultimately, they don't want to listen to what we're saying. They're not interested in what we're saying. And you've got to change their minds. Again, all of the things that go into all the audiences help change their minds. Right off the bat, you have, you have something worth listening to. Right off the bat, you're giving them credibility. You're giving them the reasons. You're giving them things that support what you're saying. You're trying to change their mind. You're trying to get them to go, oh, oh, she knows what she's saying. She's, she's really working it. She understands what's going on. You're, you're one of them. And this becomes really important. The ethos of what you're doing as you're working on your speeches, remember, you need to be able to, one, connect with your audience. Your audience needs to connect to you. So talking with them, not at them. No one likes to be lectured. You lecture an audience, boom, they stop listening. Guaranteed. Two, they need to be saying, hey, you know, you're talking about environment. You're talking about makeup. You're talking about transport. You're talking about cooking. You're talking about, you know, whatever it is you're trying to persuade people to do. They have to be able to say, hey, she's just like me. She's made mistakes. She's learned how to do it. She's, I can, I can relate to you. You can, you can talk to the audience. And when you're, when you're talking to them and saying, you know, I, want, I want you to all start cooking. And, and you go, I know what you're saying investment of time. Why would I do that? It's going to cost more money. Who is anyone really care? It's like all the things that you would have said, you say, look, I was there. I changed things. I've had great persuasive talks where students have talked about uh, losing weight and they've shown pictures of themselves when they were bigger. And they then showed a picture when they're there today because they're standing up. That can be a powerful one because it's, it's you, right? You're, it, this is your friend. This is your colleague. This is your student. You say, she did it. It's like, whoa, I was there too. I went to the same school. I go to the same university. We eat the same foods. I've got the same kind of family dynamics. I got the same things going on in society. It's like, well, I, yeah, I got the, and look, and she's done it. And she's, so you, you need to get your audience to perceive you as a being like them, being connected to them, being really having those similar similar things going on in their lifestyle that, that really connect you and them together. Credibility. So moral character, common sense, etc. Go through the reading. There's tons there. It's, it's, it's that you're this, you're, you're someone worthy of listening to and you want them to be able to say, Hey, she did it. I can do it. And so ethos is really, really important that you need to mirror to the audience in a sense that this can be done. You don't have a lot of time. But you do have this ability. And so you got to be thinking very quickly, how am I going to bring this all in? How am I, and, and think in your topic, how do I put this into a, a context that's easy for them to other understand? First impressions. If you're physically seeing someone, it's the way you stand. It's the way you look. It's the way you dress. All of these things are being assessed by your audience. All of these things. I always say to students when they're in a class situation, the moment you get up to go and talk, your talk has started because people are watching the way you walk, the way you turn around. They're then evaluating what you look like. 
They're, are you nervous? Are you not nervous? What's your face look like? How are you using your hands? Everything is now forming the message. You need to create this, this impression right off the bat that you are someone to be listened to, that I'm just like you, that I've, I, I'm working through this. And you, like me, can make change. And in your case, you got to be thinking, how do you sound? How are you putting things together? How does it flow? Because that all becomes really, really important. And this is, 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 a, is a really big piece of what you're doing. Also, the quality of what you're saying. And again, this is the logos, but this is, what am I putting together? Does it flow logically? Is there a clear reason for doing something? Is there proof for some of these things that I'm saying? Do other people say the same thing? Does the data show the same thing? Do the studies show the same thing? And, and here, what becomes really, really, really important is how am I building my argument? How am, I, how am I making this argument work? And is it going from a specific thing to a general thing? So am I talking very specific about changing the environment in Dubai and how that's going to help the entire Emirates and the entire world? Or am I going from changing the environment globally to changing the environment in Dubai? So am I doing, using sort of inductive reasoning or deductive reasoning? Am I going from specific examples to more general claims or am I going from general principles to more specific claims? So you want to be thinking about, well, how am I organizing what I'm saying? So like everything is like, okay, hold on a second. Now I got so much to think about. I've got to be thinking about what's my audience like. I've got to be thinking about how am I putting everything together? I've got to be thinking about me. I've got to be thinking about my argument. And ultimately, I've also got to be thinking about the, the emotion that I'm bringing to this, the pathos and, and the sympathies, prejudices, emotions, and how are you appealing to the non-rational side of the audience? Look, this is, this is really important. The sympathies. What does Jamie Oliver do? He gets angry. He's constantly angry. Who, uh, there's one line, uh, Maha, you, you, you watch this, right? You watch the whole talk? Maha? Maha here. Maha, you watch the whole talk. What he makes a claim. Do you remember? Does anyone remember that he makes a really, really bold statement about people in society, kids, and food? And he he call, he he suggests that people are that you and me as parents or governments. I think he he actually says governments that governments are doing something really bad when it comes to kids. Do you remember what he said? Does anyone remember what he said? You're paraphrasing it, and I, that's all I'm doing. But do you remember what it is that he talks about? He's talking about food, and he's, he's going on about sugar, right? He's going on about sugar content and this, and he basically says that, and he gets angry. And again, this is that irrationality you're dealing with, this pathos that you're dealing with. You want people to get angry with you. He says, if this was happening anywhere in the world, it would be child abuse. He says it's legislated child abuse to not control the amount of sugar that's in food that's ultimately leading to obesity in kids. That, he says, is child abuse. Legislated. Everyone is, is committing child abuse. Yeah, schools for changing food. Is, yeah, absolutely. And he, and he, so this is really important. You need to have some things, but then you need to deal with people's the, the, you, need, you need to get into the pathos of this, this ir- irrational idea. And you need to be thinking, how am I going to get there? How, how do I get people 
when they're looking at all this, how do I get them to, I need to tap that emotion. I need to, to give clear examples and illustrations and, and stories that are, that are, and as it says, crafted verbally and non-verbally to offer verbal illustrations you can, you can, to make these compelling stories for change. You want people to do things. You want people to change the way they think. That's all that Jamie Oliver did. He's given this compelling reason to change. Ron Goodman, same thing. Why should we smile? He's given you all the con- compelling reasons. And at the end of the day, it makes you feel good. And hey, a smile is worth $25,000. And hey, you know what? Even Mother Teresa says it's, it's this untapped resource. And what does he say? It's a superpower. So you're, you're playing with people's minds here. So you've got to be thinking about you. You've got to be thinking about how you connect people to it. And you've got to be thinking the role of emotions. All of this stuff plays in a huge part in your persuasive speech. And if, you're, if you can bring it together, which you can, if you can bring it together, you win. You win. But you've got to be thinking. So what have I got to do? Remember. So you know what your speech is about. You know, and you know what the goal is. I want people to drink more water. So maybe maybe you're, you want to persuade people that they need to drink three of these a day. Three of these a day. That's probably about how much we should drink. How much do we drink? We're not drinking three of these a day. Especially when we're inside. Where I think people probably are grossly, grossly dehydrated. They don't realize. And how do you know they're getting dehydrated? Oh, they get really tired. Oh, how do you, and, and what's, what's drinking three of these a day going to do? It's going to hydrate you. Ah, it also is going to stop you from snacking so much because it's going to fill up your stomach. Oh, hold on. It's got a third feature. If you drink three of these a day, do you know what you have to do? About every hour, you need to get up and walk around. Why? Because you got to go to the toilet. And you know what? Going to the toilet, that's a good thing because it's going to make sure it flushes your kidneys. And you know what that means? You're not going to get kidney stones. And if you don't get kidney stones because you're drinking enough water and you're hydrated, you're going to be healthier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So why wouldn't you do it? Has anyone ever known anyone who has a kidney stone? Anyone's dad, brother ever had a kidney stone and they're in excruciating dying pain? It's horrible. It's horrible. Any of the ladies ever had a kidney stone? It's horrible. Horrible. It's basically a, you got a bladder, you got a tube that goes the bladder, and then you know how you go to the washroom, right? And it's basically a crystal that's sharp. It goes from the kidney when it dislodges and then finds its way out. But those tubes inside of our body are full of nerves. And so as the sharp thing is, is scratching against those things, it gives this uncontrollable pain that is, is, is likened to having birth to a child. And then these crystals either come out naturally, which means they plop out, and they, they hurt all the way out or they get taken out surgically, neither of which is nice. So tap people's emotions, tell the stories, describe it and give them a reason. Persuade them. It's like, it's like so what have I got to do? It's like drinking three of these a day? That's, that's pretty easy stuff. So th- this, is, this becomes that big challenge that you have at this point. It's okay. What have I got to do? Start putting it together. Start thinking, how is it all going to go? Is there a clear introduction? Is it clear where, where I want to go? Is there a break between the introduction and the first point? Is there a break between the first point and the first story and example? It could be multiple, right? Is there a, then a clear break between the second point, second story, second example? Is there a break between the third story, third example, third point? Is there a break 
between the conclusion and in those breaks, am I transitioning? Do I have words, phraseology, things that link me through? Am I reminding people what the point of my talk is? Do I sound like I'm talking with them? All important. Breathe. Relax. Do I know where I'm going to go? Is, is this a show? Yes. And that's what the persuasive thing is all about. You're putting on this show to convince people to do something. What's the goal in your persuasive talk? Ultimately, you want action on something. So what do you do to get action? The only way you can get action is to reduce what you're talking about to a meaningful thing. So yes, I want to save the environment. Yes, I want people to, to and I've, I've used the CO2 gas emission one. I want people to cut that out. How do I get people started? turning off the tap when you brush your teeth. Boom. Anyone can do that. Anyone can then be active. So you've got to be thinking about your own, your own example and think, how am I going to make this work? So I've had other people, sorry, does that make sense? Questions as we're going here yet? Yet? uh, Just jump in really, truly more than happy to hear something. Um, I've, I've had people do all sorts of great talks in the past and, and emotion is huge in a persuasive speech. So I had this one girl, she started off the talk with a picture of a wrecked Nissan patrol. And that patrol was the Nissan patrol that she got pulled out of and almost died on her way to school. And her whole speech was about, and I think she kept that picture up for quite a while. And then she had a picture of her you know, with all the tubes stuck up her nose and unconscious on a bed. And then she had a picture of a phone and her whole speech was about put your mobile phone in your purse in the back of the car. Don't Bluetooth. Don't look at it. Put it in the back of your car. And she said she didn't do that. She was on Wi-Fi hands-free. She didn't see the truck stop in front of her and at a hundred kilometers an hour ran into the back of the truck And her whole talk was about she could have died because of her phone. And and so she just, and and then she gave the stats about how many accidents happen from phones. And she gave the stats about the ages of the people that are dying because of phones. Police have the numbers. The police know. They have, you know, Dubai police, Abu Dhabi police. You can get the numbers. Just, you know, find it in the newspapers. they, They have them. Search it out. And it was a great talk. And what was her thing? And so her, her thing in the end of the class was, says, I want you all, and she, she basically gave them a, a sheet of paper that she wanted them to sign. She says, I want you all to not have to live through what my family lived through. I'm the only daughter. I could have died because of this. Because I couldn't wait to talk on the phone. So well, I don't want you to go through the same thing I'm going through. And she, of course, it was a four minute thing. She sprayed out and she, you know, she gave all the details and things and lots of emotions. She had people crying. It was, it was, it was a really good emotional talk. She gave them all a little piece of paper and said, I want you to, I want you to sign this agreement with me. That for the next week, you won't use your phone in the car. And if you do need to use your phone, you pull over. You will not drive and use your phone in the car. I want you to agree with me for one week that you're going to do it. And you can decide after that week not to. But why wouldn't you? I want to save your life. Because if it doesn't happen today, it might happen tomorrow. If it doesn't happen tomorrow, it might happen the next day. So sign my form. And everyone did. And they all agreed. And they left and said, I'm not going to do it. It's like, okay. 
works. I had another one that, uh, so I'm just giving you some that, I, that, that we're remembering. And I've had many, many great ones and, and some just stand out more than others. And I had one similar, similar kind of talk with a student whose pure goal in her speech was to get people every day to call, and I might have mentioned this one, to call their grandmother and say, I, I love you. That's all they wanted them to do. And she gave, she, so her whole talk was about the fact that, you know, Friday, they would all, the whole family would get together and they would go see her grandmother. Her grandmother's getting old and her grandmother's kind of, you know, her grandmother, her grandmother was an old grandmother and, and, you know, life's busy. And so she hadn't, you know, she would go and then she wasn't really going so much. And, you know, of course, grandma wanted to see her and, you know, school and life and things. And, and she she said you know she she let it get a, get away from her and her parents didn't you know push her and so she did she kind of stopped going to see grandma every friday and she started just seeing her you know once a month or you know once every 3 weeks and and you know grandma had gotten in touch with her or someone said hey why don't you come and see why don't you come and visit and she goes oh you know i'm busy and then grandma died and she never got to say goodbye she never got those final words with her grandmother and she kind of said, you know, hey, I should have just been going. Why well, I wasn't going, that's neither here nor there. But she said, there's nothing stopping me. I talk to my friends all day long on my phone. There's nothing stopping me from making that phone call every day to grandma just to check in at the regular time, talk for five minutes. How are you? Even just, he just wanted to call, say, I love you. How's your day? And so that was her thing. She wanted everyone to call her, call her grandmother. I had another one where this was kind of a cool one too, where student, where the student was advocating when we come to class to, to, to not use our phones and to put our phones in the box. And she, she put it down to where she got the idea was from her grandmother when everyone used to come to the grandma's house and grandfather's house on the Friday for, for lunch, everyone would, all the kids would always be on their phones. So the grandmother got sick and tired of it and made a box and put the box and said, okay, when you come in, you put your phone in the box. When you leave, take your phone out of the box. But when you're here, you're engaged with us. We're engaged real time. When you leave, you go to your phone. If it's that important, it's Friday. It's family time. You can be off your phone for an hour. And she said, so why don't we stay off our phones in class? Let's engage. Let's ask questions. Let's participate. Let's learn. And let's be part of the process. And that's, that was her speech, you know, and again, so she said, so when, it, you know, when you come into class and she had a box, she said, I want you to put your phones in the box. Let's give the same respect we want for our education to those around us and, and to the professor and et cetera. I thought, okay, that's a cool one. So it's, it's all about how we put it together, but it's, again, it's credibility, connecting with your audience. It's the emotional part of the speech. It's, the delivery of the speech. It's that conclusion that brings it all together. It's playing with the pieces that you're going to show us. Cause remember you've got, now you got, you got audio, you got audio, you got visuals, but they could, there could be some audio, make it short. There could be some video, make it short. And it's got to fit in with what you're doing. I wouldn't advise using video. I wouldn't advise using audio. Just use those images and those quotes and those things. And it, it, it you know, it doesn't have to be a picture. It could be a number. It could be, think of what's going to work for your talk, but you need visuals. And so that's where, we find ourselves going at this point. 
questions of all this menagerie of today? Do I have any questions of all of this menagerie of today? Because there's a lot of stuff there. Do I, do we have any questions, observations? You've been listening to Public Speaking in the Summer with me, James Pikeway. This was day 10. It's all about persuasive speaking. You want to find out more about what I do? Very simple. www.jamesed.com is where you can find me and what I do. Day 11 coming up. You're going to love it. It's a continuation of persuasive public speaking. And hey, by the way, Go and check out those videos that I talked about in this class. Jamie Oliver's TED Prize and Ron Gutman's talk about smiling. Both of them extraordinary. They've got lessons to learn on what you should do in a persuasive speech and lessons to learn on what you shouldn't do when public speaking. A full package. You're going to love it. More to come on day 11. Keep well. And remember, you only get better at public speaking by doing it. My name is James Pikeway. Talk to you again soon.